It is very important that we get together to exalt our Savior and encourage one another on a weekly basis like this. Remember, starting next Sunday, uh, next Sunday morning, we have two worship services, okay? Uh, so not just one at 11, we have two. One's going to be at 9.30, and the other one is going to be at 11 o'clock. It'll be the same sermon in both hours. We'll have the same music, the same ministry minute, etc., etc., etc. right? We're uh, praying that people will be able to attend in one time slot and serve in the other. And I know we still need some help with some things in the 11 o'clock service. And if you could see Amy, my wife, if you would like to serve in the 11 o'clock service, she'll get you hooked up with that. Uh, especially need some help with some of our children's ministries still. One of the main reasons we're doing two services uh, is to give the people who serve the opportunity to still go to church. And so I hope you'll get involved. Uh, if you have any questions about the two services, we're going to have some pastoral staff out by Connection Point today to answer your questions as we dismiss. Now, also, after we dismiss today, uh, just about 10 minutes after we dismiss, we have a, a dedication of the gymnasium out back. And if you'd like to come out for that and stand on the parking lot and the sidewalk, uh, it won't be very long. And, and we're just celebrating what God's done and the fact that the gymnasium is finally open. Uh, they laid the last coat of polyurethane on Friday. And we still have the basketball court roped off, but the rest of the building is going to be open so you can walk through. And then they have hopefully a home game, uh, Centennial Baptist School does here this Tuesday. And I want to thank everybody who's helped in any way. Uh, those who've prayed, those who've uh, labored on the building uh, in any way, those who've given so much toward that project. And we just thank you so much. Well, it's our first Sunday of the fall campaign. And this year, uh, the series is called Our House. And the notes uh, for the sermon part are in your bulletin that you got this morning. We're going to be at our house for the next five or six weeks, and I hope you'll be here for every session. I also hope that you'll try a small group uh, for the campaign, even if you've never tried one before. And I'd like to quickly, just for a second, tell you what the small group opportunities are for the series and then we're going to make small group hosts available for you to connect with after the service. Now, we have three groups that will be meeting here at the church, I believe, mostly in the 11 o'clock slot, uh, so after the first service. Down the hall to my right is a group of uh, 55 and older with Dan and Kathy Shera and uh, the Stonebreakers and some others down there. Uh, also down that same hall, and they don't do every series with us, but there is a ladies group, and if you would like to meet with them, see Sheila Larea. Uh, down this way to the left is a 55 and older group hosted by Chuck Thomas and Bill Vansickle, and they had a good group in there this morning that I saw. Uh, then we're, I'm going to go east to west, okay? And so uh, in Meridian, we have a group hosted by Lucas and Vanessa Corder. And if you guys could stand so everybody can see who you are. Lucas and Vanessa, so if you live anywhere East Nampa or east of that, be a good group to check out. We also have an East Nampa group with Andrew and Marjorie Marcham, if you folks could stand. Uh, we have a West Nampa group, thank you. We have a West Nampa group hosted by Cody and Michaela Van Manen, and yeah, they're over in Serve Kids today. Uh, we're trying to start another West Nampa group. Jeff and Tina, would you stand uh, so we can see you? And they've got space, definitely, in their group. 
Uh, also in West Napa is a group hosted by Pastor Cole and Sharon, uh, Crownover, and uh, they've got to stand too. It's going to be like everybody else. Okay, uh, we have a West Caldwell group hosted by John and Rose Tilford, if you'd stand for us. And then we have three North Caldwell groups. Uh, one's hosted by the Watanabes. Scott's at drill, but Tara's here. Uh, Shane and Melissa Cornwall. Uh, Shane's up in the booth. He's waving at everybody. Uh, and then Steve and Stacy Western. Yeah, Steve and Stacy are in children's ministry today. Okay. Uh, and so uh, there's also in Central Caldwell a group hosted by James and Linda Fogel. And Linda's right here. James is at work. Also, one of our teens, uh, Josiah, up in the sound booth, Josiah Clatcher, he's hosting a group with some other teens in Caldwell. And by the way, I think that it's important to invite the teens and junior age kids to join you for your discussion in this group series. I think that'd be really good for them. Uh, out in the Middleton area, uh, off of Exit 26, my wife and I, uh, we do not have a group right now. We purposely have done this. We would like to have a group of folks who have never been in a Centennial small group before. And so if you fit that category, uh, see us in the lobby today, and we're going to have all of our group leaders who have any room available in their group to be in the lobby today. And many of our home groups meet on Sunday evenings, but some meet on Friday or Saturday evenings. And I'm telling you this because I sincerely hope that every person will try out a group for the campaign. 70% uh, of, of what we're doing in this series and what we pray God will accomplish will happen through our groups. And the small group part takes uh, the information and puts it into action. In our first session in our house today, we're going to be talking about the living room. And, and so the living room of the church is just like the living room at your house. Uh, it's the place where you have people over the place where you connect with others. And as a church, the environment where we connect with people at all places of spiritual development is this worship service. And next week we'll have two of them, 9, 30, and 11. Our living room is the weekend church service. And at the living room is the place where we introduce our neighbors and friends to the reason we gather together, which is Jesus. It's the place where we connect others to God. Now, I'm not saying that it's the only place where we can connect others to God. That can happen anywhere. That can happen at the dentist office, right? That can happen at the auto parts store. Uh, but this is a purposeful environment. It's a planned, purposed environment for bringing people closer to God. We're going to go to Luke chapter 5 for our reading this morning. And so get, uh, either if you have your paper Bible with you, or you have your phone, or your tablet, a pew Bible, whatever you got. Luke chapter 5 is where we're going to start this morning. It's such a unique passage because it details the call of a young man to follow Jesus. And we get to see the result of how that call changed his approach to everything in his life. And so we're going to Luke chapter 5, and I'll start reading today at verse number 27. And after these things, he went forth. This is talking about Jesus. Jesus went forth and saw a publican, that's a tax collector, named Levi, sitting at the receipt of custom. And he said unto him, follow me. And he left all, rose up, 
but followed him. That's pretty serious commitment. And Levi made him a great feast in his own house. And there was a great company of publicans and of others that sat down with them. But their scribes and Pharisees murmured against his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with publicans and sinners? And Jesus answering said unto them, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You know, Levi, uh, you might know him by his other name. His other name is Matthew. Uh, he was a tax collector, a publican. He was the lowest of the low in Jewish society. And Jesus purposely went to him with an invitation to be one of his disciples. And let's talk for a second about this man, Matthew or Levi. Uh, clearly, he was a Hebrew. And in fact, his very name indicates that he was from a very devout Hebrew family. We know this because they named him Levi. They named him after a specific tribe in Israel. And it's quite possible he was even born into the tribe of Levi. It's actually probably likely. We could assume then that Levi grew up with a heavy expectation placed upon him. That he would be devoutly Jewish, devoutly religious, uh, that he would memorize the Jewish scriptures by the age of 12. Okay, so he's going to memorize the entire set of Jewish scriptures by the age of 12 years old. And then after that, he's going to attend uh, schools that the Pharisees had and the priests had and seminaries to prepare him for Levitical life. Here's what happened in Levi's case, though. At some point, the expectations were too heavy. At some point, the road was too tough. And for whatever reason, Levi walked away from it all. He abandoned his entire belief system. And he started working for the Romans as a tax collector. And now, his Jewish contemporaries treated him with disdain and with disgust. And when they saw, oh, there's Levi, he's a Hebrew reject. He's a Roman tool. His own family may have disowned him. Whatever his story had been, we know that his story completely changed one day as Jesus walked up to his desk at the tax office with a new offer. Follow me. And here's the thing. Jesus knew his backstory. Jesus knew his discontentment. Jesus knew his misery. And Jesus showed up to make all things new in Levi's life. By the way, that's what Jesus wants to do in every life. That's his invitation for you. Jesus knows your backstory better than anybody else. He knows your heartaches. He knows that hollow place in your heart. He knows that longing for real peace. And he wants to redeem you and make you a son or daughter of the king. So Levi immediately got up. He left everything associated with this publican lifestyle, and he followed Jesus. But there's more to the story, and it's what our message is about today. It's the story of the living room, Levi's living room. Now a Jesus follower, Levi invited everybody he knew who would listen to him to a special get-together, a feast at his house. 
a feast that would have Jesus sitting with all of his acquaintances. Let's talk for a few minutes about Levi's living room this morning because his living room will help us know how our living room should look. And so let's talk about it. Here we go. There were people of all life stages. There were people of all life stages. I like what it says in verse number 29. Levi made him a great feast at his own house, and there was a great company of publicans. Now look at this. And of others that sat down with them. Now, Matthew 9, which is written by Levi, same guy, that's right, Matthew, uh, tells us that Jesus was invited to the feast with his disciples. And along with Jesus and his disciples, the environment was filled with publicans. And uh, Matthew 9 says sinners. And uh, Luke 5 says others. And uh, so there was the publican category, which is the Roman tax collector bunch, labeled as traitors to the Hebrew people. There was the sinners category, and the sinners were uh, these outcasts from Hebrew society. They didn't even pretend to be religious. Uh, They weren't covert in their sinfulness like the Pharisees, right? They were openly living sinful lifestyles in front of God and everybody else. And then... There was the others category. Now, we can only imagine who they must have been, right? And they weren't publicans, and they weren't in the sinner group. They were the other group. And maybe they were Jews who were trying to figure out which lifestyle they wanted to choose. Maybe they were friends of the tax collectors. For whatever reason, they got marked into the other category. Now, are you taking this survey? Have you ever been taking a survey? You're like, that's not a good answer. I don't like that answer. That other. Right? Choose other. That's what happened to them. They got put into the other category. You know, in the living room environment, the complete picture of a vibrant serving church is when we have people of all imaginable life stages here for the weekend service. It's when we have people who are far from God sitting right here with us. In the living room. People who are searching for God. Uh, People who are confused about God. People who are starting a relationship with God. People who already know God. People who've walked away from God. And maybe they're thinking about coming back. We all need to be in the living room together. And Jesus showed up because every imaginable group of people was represented. And he came to this earth to minister to every single one of them. Now look at verse 30. But, 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 their scribes and Pharisees murmured against his disciples. They said, why do you eat and drink with publicans and sinners? And walking past Levi's house that night just happened to be a crew of sanctimonious religious figures. And in those Middle Eastern houses, uh, the windows were open-air cutouts in the clay house. Anybody walking by could see what was happening. And the scribes and Pharisees were concerned that Jesus and his disciples were hanging with publicans and sinners. 
right? They must have missed the others. They didn't see them. But they saw uh, the publicans and the sinners sitting in there with Jesus. And, uh, and boy, it was a rough thing. They didn't like this at all. And so this is the second part of the living room that we really should see. There was plenty for Pharisees to dislike. All right? There were plenty for Pharisees to dislike. The religious crowd <clears throat> didn't like the living room scene even one bit. I mean, why would Jesus knowingly be in an environment with unapproved people? Right? Didn't he get the memo that they were the ones who approved who you hang out with? They were the ones who approved all religious gatherings in Jerusalem, right? They got to decide the worship style. They got to choose the dress code. They're in charge of the rules. How dare Jesus have the audacity to go to a living room that they hadn't signed off on? It was unheard of. There were people in Levi's living room using unchristian language right in front of Jesus and his disciples. Just imagine this, right? Right in Levi's living room, there's people in there talking about things that can you imagine they would talk about right in front of Jesus? And he didn't correct them. He didn't go and and check to make sure all the beverages were on the approved list. He didn't go around and check if every couple was married or not. What in the world, Jesus? You're supposed to be godly. And and so the Pharisees had some major complaints. Look, when we have a living room environment where people of all life stages show up, there are going to be plenty of critics and hypocritics, or as the Bible calls them, hypocrites. Uh, These are the people who think that their opinions of the worship service matter more than God's because they know what it's supposed to look like. And they know how people should be dressed and how people should act and what the order should be, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And if you go off of their script, watch out. Murmuring will take place. Grumbling will ensue. And so they're out there mumbling and they're talking to Jesus' disciples. Oh, guys, this isn't a very spiritual gathering. Look, the greeter isn't up to our standards, right? He's got his robe wrong. He's got his robe uh, sideways. And uh, did you, did you disciples of Jesus know that you have a publican on the worship team? Uh, did you see that? Yeah, the ushers didn't properly wash their feet before they walked into the building. I don't know if that's true at Centennial or not, but could be. Uh, a religious gathering to them should only be with people who are already perfect like us. Right? And that's why when the Pharisees had a religious gathering, guess who showed up? Only them. There's never anybody else except them because they were the only ones who were perfect. And how do we know they were perfect? Because they told each other they were perfect. That's the same thing that happens in the Academy Awards, right? Uh, the Motion Picture Academy gets together and pats themselves on the back at how great of actors they already are. And the public doesn't go to watch any of the movies yeah, because we kind of figured it out. So the public had figured out some things about the Pharisees. Yeah, they were trying to determine everything about the living room experience. And, and here's the truth, folks. I'll say this lovingly, okay? Unchurched people aren't the ones who mess up the living room environment. 
They're the ones who make it what God wants it to be. It's church people who mess it up when they inflate their ideas to the same level as God's principles or when they deflate God's principles down to the level of their ideas. And so there were people of all life stages in Levi's living room. But there's also plenty of stuff for Pharisees to dislike. Uh, another big tick against them. Uh, this gathering was on the Sabbath day. Can you imagine? Uh, they were gathering at an unsanctioned ceremony with Jesus on the Sabbath day. That's incredible. Like, why would you meet in a house instead of down at the synagogue like you're supposed to? And so all of this was happening, and then Jesus got involved. And, and so they're over there whispering to his disciples, right, murmuring under their breath, talking about some things, and then Jesus gets involved. And uh, the scribes and Pharisees had started in on the disciples with their complaints. And now Jesus answers them with one of the most incredible replies that can even be imagined. And this is Luke 5.31. Jesus answering said unto them, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Here's the third part today of the living room. The purpose was to lead the sick to the doctor. Now, the purpose was to lead the sick to the doctor. Jesus clearly laid out the reason for a living room setting. Now, people have to know they're lost before they can be found. Okay? Now, it's our job to invite the sick so they can be healed. But there won't be any healing if there are no sick people. It makes sense, doesn't it? Now, I know some of you might be thinking, but pastor, isn't church for people who already know God? Well, certainly there are some rooms in our house that are for people who already know God. And we're going to get to those in the series. But the living room isn't one of those environments. The living room is where people of all life stages are invited to meet Jesus and learn to follow him. And the weekend service is the opportunity to invite your friend who's a skeptic or your neighbor who he's, in, he's not even interested in God or your coworker who's always talking about searching for happiness or fulfillment or your sister-in-law who you may or may not get along with or your brother-in-law who, quite frankly, if you have to be honest, you don't like a whole lot at all. I must be, sorry, I didn't know that there were brother-in-laws here today. I guess I've gotten too far afield. Uh, but the living room is a purposeful, gospel-revealing environment. You know, there's something else that Jesus said, and this is according to Levi himself, right? So this is his living room, and this is what he said. And to see this, we have to go back to uh, Matthew chapter 9. Now, this is the gospel that is written with Holy Spirit inspiration by Levi, by this guy, Matthew. He wrote this, Matthew 9, verse number 12. Look what it says. But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole 
need not a physician, but they that are sick. Now look what he says. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. For I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So Jesus talks to the Pharisees and he says, go learn what this means. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. Now who's Jesus talking to here? That's right, he's talking to the Pharisees. We just said that. He's talking to the religious Hebrews. He's talking to the keepers of the Jewish law and traditions. And he quotes to them from two of the Hebrew prophets. And it's interesting because most of the people in the living room that day didn't know about any of the prophets, the major prophets, the minor prophets, or any in between. Jesus knew that the Pharisees are very knowledgeable about the Jewish scriptures. And so he gives them this phrase from Hosea. And it's actually uh, from Hosea 6.6. And uh, most of us in here, we have no idea what that means. And that's Jesus. He's talking to the religious people with this. Hosea 6.6. Here's what he said. For I desired mercy and not sacrifice. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean Jesus was opposed to the Jewish sacrificial system that he'd grown up under? No, that's not it. Jesus is saying, I'm much more pleased with those who live out God's mercy than with those who keep the external system of religion. And these Pharisees knew what he was talking about. And they were also familiar with the prophet Micah, who said this in Micah 6, starting in verse 6. And by the way, uh, if you could look it up and follow along, uh, that would be amazing. It may take a while to find it, all right? Uh, you go, uh, let's see. We got, uh, we get into the prophets. You got Daniel, and then Hosea, and then Joel, and then Amos, and Obadiah, and then Jonah, and then Micah. And Micah chapter 6, right? If you got your phone, it's in the M's. Okay, M-I, it's in the M-I section. Micah 6, look at verse number 6, this is so powerful. Here's what the prophet says, wherewith shall I come before the Lord? So what way should I come before God? And bow myself before the high God. Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves of a year old? Now, will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or with 10,000 rivers of oil? Now, would that please you, God, if I brought 10,000 rivers of oil? Would that be enough? If we brought 1,000 rams to you, would that be enough? Shall I give my firstborn child for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? That's what they did in idol worship. They thought that the idols could give them eternal life if they sacrificed a child to them. By the way, that same Baal worship, that idol worship, is happening in the United States of America today. And I'm telling you, it, it's so huge in our society that people are screaming all over the place uh, and protesting 
for the right to keep bringing babies before the idol Baal. That's what this is all about that's been happening in our nation. And I said, should we come before God with this? And God, should we do this? What's it going to take? And here was the answer. Don't miss the answer because this is so good. I promise you the Pharisees didn't miss the answer. Here was the answer, Micah 6a. He has showed you, oh man, what is good. God's already showed us what we're supposed to do. And what did the Lord require of thee? But to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. What was holding the Pharisees back from truly knowing and serving Jesus? Here's what it was. They didn't love mercy for other people. They didn't want the publicans to have mercy from God. They didn't want the sinners to have mercy from God. They didn't want anybody outside of their group to have mercy from God. And tell you why. Because in the Jewish scriptures, there was no mercy. There was only law. And they were stuck on the law. And Jesus told them, I'd rather have mercy than religion. Your sacrifices are meaningless if your hearts hold no mercy for the others that are in this living room. You're so blinded by your pride and hypocrisy that you didn't even notice those others when you showed up here. Jesus said, but I did, and I came to sit where they sit, and I came to dwell with the lowest of the low. And the difference between the others and you is this. They know that they're lost and need to be found. They know that they're sick and need a physician. They know that they're blind and wish they could see. They know they need mercy. And you religious, churchy ones think you're already righteous. And Jesus said, I didn't come to call the righteous. I only came to call sinners to repentance. And boom, there's like a ton of bricks. It was a truth bomb on top of the Pharisees. We have to be so careful, so careful, that we don't fall into the trap of thinking that church is about us and what we like and what we need. It's about loving mercy for those who need Jesus. That's the living room. That's why Levi had his party. Let's get practical on this last part of the message today. You should plan your own living room meeting. You should plan your own living room meeting. Let's talk about it. Levi, or Matthew, had this wonderful gathering after he had started following Jesus. And Jesus put his stamp of approval on Matthew's party. He said, that's what it's all about. I'm here for sinners. I'm here for the sick. I'm here for the lost. And what if your family or your small group had your own Matthew party once every six months or a year? You say, well, what's a Matthew party? It's a get-together where you get to know people around you and introduce them to Jesus. It could be a picnic or a pizza party or a game night or neighborhood chili feed. You could do a Super Bowl party or Christmas cocoa party. Now think outside the box, a neighbor's night 
or a barbecue or a spaghetti feed, you say, well, I don't know my neighbors that well. Exactly. Uh, that's the point, right? Uh, you uh, can't know your neighbors if you never meet your neighbors. That seems like it's scientific in some way, what I just said. It sounds like it could even be one of Newton's laws. I'm not sure if that was after the law of gravity or somewhere in there. What often keeps us from loving our neighbors is fear of what will happen if we do. But you know, really what should scare us more is what will happen if we don't? Right? What if we don't go out of our way to meet our neighbors? I mentioned a book several weeks ago by Bob Goff, a book called Everybody Always. It's a great book. Uh, Bob and his family had a unique idea to celebrate their neighbors. They lived down close to San Diego, and uh, they started doing a New Year's Day parade on their street. And their street had 20 houses, and they would have the parade end at their house for some refreshments. And the first year, they went out with their kids, and they went and knocked on every door, and they said, we're going to have a parade. We're going to have a parade. And you guys come to the parade. Eight people came, right, for their whole street. And they were four of them, right? So not very many people came. And uh, they told everybody, we're going to have a neighborhood king and a neighborhood queen. And they made him a torch. And, and everybody thought, man, this is corny. This is so weird. Uh, they've been doing it now for 22 years. And now there's about four or 500 people who do it. And kids pull wagons full of stuffed animals and pet goldfish. Uh, there's no fancy floats, but there's lots of kids or bikes. And, and uh, last year, for the queen, they brought out one of their neighbors who within the week would die of cancer. And they made her the queen. And some of the guys went in her house and carried her out. And she held up the scepter. And they surrounded her and loved on her and prayed with her. And the relationships that have opened up just because of that gathering have been stunning. Just because they went out of their way to do something. And uh, listen, you can't love people you don't know. Okay? Yeah, you, that's what we do as Christians so often. We're like, we love everybody in God's name, but we don't ever want to meet any of them. Right? Does it make any sense? Like, I love everybody, but I'm going to spend the rest of my life on top of a mountain with my head shaved. If we love everybody, here's a crazy novel idea. Why don't we act like we do? Right? Why, don't, why don't we step outside of our comfort zone and step outside of the box and uh, not just say we love our neighbors, but love our neighbors. Saying we love our neighbors is simple. But you know, doing it should be simple too. It just means that we actually go and do it. So I'm going to ask you again, what if your family or your small group had a Matthew party? And past that, what if we develop our weekend church service into a Matthew party every Sunday? What if we invite people to come from all life stages? And then Jesus shows up. 
Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. I'm not going to ask anybody or embarrass anybody. But I'm just assuming, I don't know everybody out here today. I'm assuming that we have some people in here today who are kind of iffy on God. You're just like, I'm not sure if I know God or I like God. I came because somebody invited me or I've got a friend or a relative being baptized today. Some of you are saying, I'm kind of searching for God. Uh, or maybe I've been away from God. I grew up in church, but I'm kind of like Levi. I got burnt on the whole idea when they tried to make me memorize you know, the books of the Bible, or they made me do this, and I kind of checked out. We have all different life stages going on here today. I'm not just talking about age or stage of life. We've got that too. I love to come into a church service where we see people with gray hair and no hair, and we see people on the other end who don't have any hair yet because they're too little. All right, now they're in the nursery. Thank God for nursery workers, right? Um, I love to see all stages of life represented. This is what the living room is supposed to look like. And by the way, it's what heaven's going to look like. Uh, I'm not sure if you guys got the memo yet or not, but there's going to be a whole bunch of people in heaven who don't look like you. And there's going to probably be some people who live in the mansion next door who have rubbed you wrong your whole life. You don't really know if they're even believers. Because they still want to use songbooks and you want to use the screen. Or they are convinced that you should sit in pews and you think you could sit in a chair at church. And you guys have had this back and forth all this time. Can I tell you that's what Pharisees argue about? You know what people in the living room did? They just wanted to hang out with Jesus. And not only did they want to hang out with Jesus, but they wanted everybody that they knew to hang out with him too. And Matthew filled that place up with people of all stages of life. What if we invite people to come from all life stages and then Jesus shows up every Sunday? Would that be amazing? What if we love mercy and we don't worry so much about traditions and religious ceremony that could be life-changing for us and eternity changing for the people around us but so here's today's big truth and i hope you get this it's impossible to have an evangelistic church service when no unchurched people have been invited to attend now that's not to say that all the people who go to church are already children of god okay church does not make you a christian any more uh, than being a garage makes you a car. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. Being a Christian has nothing to do with going to church. It has to do with if you've given your life and heart to Jesus Christ. But listen, uh, if we don't ever befriend and invite the others and the sinners and the publicans, how will we keep the mission that Jesus gave for us to complete? And remember, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to the people who already attend your church. No, no, he didn't say that, okay? Somebody like, that. Jesus said that? No, that's not what he said. Uh, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And, and so let's start by making every Sunday a Matthew party. You say, Pastor, I'd like to be a part, but I don't really know anybody except Christians. Well, then maybe you need to have your own Matthew party. 
because you can't really love them if you don't even know them. And that brings us to today's faith challenge. Here's what it is. Ask God to give you the courage to be part of a real living room environment. And it's initially going to take some courage for you to do something you've never done. But God will give you the boldness to move forward if you're willing to submit to the Holy Spirit's leading in your life. Let's bow together. And as we bow, let me pray with you.